Well, I'm excited about I'm excited about college students coming back to town. Uh, the insanity of driving through town uh, is is not great, but we love you if you're here, if you're back in town, and uh, we no, we do here at the church. We love having all the college students. So, uh, so I wanted to just say this as I'm looking out. Uh, look around. There's not a whole lot of seats available in this service. And I'll just tell you, uh, all the services are bigger now that we're back in school. But first has more room and third has more room. This, this service always seems to be uh, the, the most packed. So if, you're, uh, if you want a little more elbow room, all the services are the same. There's nothing different about them. But you can come. And, uh, and for that, that matter, if you're watching online and you haven't yet come back to the group gathering, you can know that if you come to first or third, there's a little mo- bit more room. But not for long. Third ends up becoming just as full as this one, and uh, and so you got to go claim your seat now, right? Sharpie right on the back seat. They just love that here at the church. If you would mark your territory, anyway. Um, so today and next week, I'm going to teach uh, for two weeks. That's that's going to set us up for my fall series. Uh, and so I'm, re- I mean, like I said, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to explain it to you here today. And uh, and so. These two messages, I think it's important that you're here for as a church family, because I think as a family, we need to have a talk about what's coming up, okay? And I want to prepare your hearts and have you prepared to be part of our church family in loving our community and loving the people around us, okay? And so uh, let, me, let me just put it into, well, let me let the cat out of the bag, right? This is where we're going. There are a lot of issues going on in the world today. Ones that uh, the church and the world really differ on. And, uh, and I just think this. If people are talking about certain issues in the foyer of our church, we should be talking about them from the stage of the church. So, we're going to talk, talk about all the tough subjects in the world today. And we're going to tackle those things right here together. Yay! <laughs> I've done these kinds of series before where, uh, where I've... Uh, um, I've chosen topics like suicide, homosexuality, divorce, tattoos, um, uh, drinking, uh, all, all that, you know, well, now I could talk about medical, or mar- not even medical marijuana, just marijuana. There's 27 stores in town you can get it from. Uh, and more to come, you know, I can't figure that out. Like, I would just like to have, I don't know, anything else. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we talked about things like that. And I could do that again, but I don't want to do just that again. What I am going to do is I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to choose the topics we talk about. So this year, uh, I'm going to let you ask. And the way that we're going to do this is that starting today, you can grab one of those connection cards. The staff didn't know this, and they're all going to freak out about it because we're going to use up all the connection cards today. So Tammy, make an order. Uh, Anyway, next week we might have a different card for you to fill out. But for these two weeks, what I want you to do is I want you to... uh, Take one of those cards, and in the back, there's a comment section. You don't have to put your name on it. Be anonymous. I want you to write in there one. Everybody say one. One topic you would like me to talk about, okay? And you can take that card after and put it in one of the tithing towers, the giving stations, and uh, just slip it in there, and we will tally up all the different uh, categories and topics that people want to hear about. We want to look at the biblical perspective of these things, because, by the way, there is a biblical perspective for all of these things. Amen. That was an amen spot. You can, you can say, okay. Um, but I want you to be part of asking the question, okay? So uh, how many are you allowed to put on the card? One. One. If you have a list, I'm throwing it in the garbage. 
You think I'm joking. If it's got more than one on it, it's going in the garbage. And that, that staff, that is the instruction immediately, okay? Don't even bring the card to the staff meeting table. Put it in the garbage. All right. And so, uh, so anyway, we're going to do this. That's the first thing I, I, you have to do if you want to be part of this series. The second thing is this. There are a lot of people that you know who have been pushed away from church because they feel like the church never really tackles the tough subjects and they just skirt around it. They're the people who say, boy, I just wish the church would actually talk about those things and not just act like nothing's happening. Well, we're not going to act like nothing's happening. We're going to talk about it, okay? And we're not going to pull any punches on both sides because you know what? As church people, we need to change too. Did you hear that? That was an amen moment as well, okay? Just, just trying to guide you a little bit today. So anyway, this is what we're going to do today, okay? So I'm going to lead us into this because I think there's a few things we need to talk about before we start talking about these serious subjects, okay? So before we get into it, let's bow our heads, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are the way maker and you are the promise keeper. God, but, but even more than that, God, we thank you that you are a light in this dark world and that if we follow you, we can, we can live the destiny that you have for us. We can help fulfill the plan that you have for this place, for all of humanity. God, thank you that we're part of your family and we have the opportunity to do, to do that. God, I pray that today as we get into your word that it's you speaking, not me. So filter me out, God, and I ask that you speak and we, we have ears that hear you speaking hearts that understand what you're saying, and minds that want to live out the instruction that you're giving us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. amen. So today, I want to talk about the kind of people that God likes to use. Now, we just finished a whole series called The Middleman, right? We talked about people that God used who are average, middle kind of people, not like, not like superstars. God used them, and that was a good, good kind of 13-week intro to, to this, this message. And, and I want to talk about the type of people God is looking for when it comes to being used for, by him and making a difference for his kingdom. Um, and there's this idea out there that God is looking for perfect people. That God is looking for, for people who like basically live perfect Christian lives. And honestly, this is something that has been projected out onto the non-believing world that the reason they don't want to come to church is because all those people, first off, think they're so perfect. And on top of that, they don't feel like they are perfect enough to actually be valuable to God. And, and let me just tell you this, is that God likes people who aren't good enough. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not good enough. I see some people who aren't doing it. Now turn back to them and say, God thinks I am. <laughs> God thinks I am. Listen, God loves to use people who are imperfect, people who are messed up, who have a mess. And I'll prove it to you. It's, I, don't, I don't have to try to explain it. God can just explain it. Abraham was old. No offense, old people. <laughs> Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was prideful. And abused and accused. Job went bankrupt and the devil was just eating his lunch, right? Moses had a speech problem. Gideon didn't trust God and he was afraid. Samson was a womanizer and a liar. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times. Everybody say five times. Five times. 
Okay, five times. And that's just the short list. Could you imagine being a Pharisee, which was like a religious leader of that day, and seeing Jesus and his motley crew of followers? I mean, prostitutes, tax collectors, thieves, all this stuff. People, I mean, these guys were terrible. And the ladies that went with them, they, they were people that the whole, all of society said were worthless and awful and all stuff. And so as a Pharisee, as, as a religious leader, you would have looked at him and said, this guy's a rabbi. Those people are losers. They're, they're awful. See, you don't, might not realize this, but back then, every rabbi, Jesus was considered a rabbi, every rabbi would have disciples that would follow him. And they would go to the temple and they'd pick these students who were studying to become rabbis and they would pick only the best. And so they only get the best. And so when they, people looked at Jesus, they're like, that was the best? <laughs> that's the best you could do, Jesus, right? But, but that's the thing, is that there were even these students at the temple who were left behind by rabbis. Boy, the feeling of not being good enough started a long time ago, didn't it? And so in, in this world today, we've just been taught that we're not good enough. We'll never stack up. We'll never be good enough. But the truth is, is God loves people who aren't good enough. And I challenge you today that God wants to use you no matter how you feel about you. And that's actually the problem more than anything. It's not God that says you're not good enough. It's you that says you're not good enough. It's you. We are the ones who choose to be the judge of our lives and say, you know what, because I've had this in my past or I did that or I got a divorce or I, or, or, you know, I did all these different things, I'm not good enough. Well, I'm t- here to tell you that that is not true. We judge ourselves as guilty of not being good enough to God. So it stops us in our tracks. But this judgment of ourselves, it's not founded. No matter what you, you might have done, no matter what kind of sin is in your past, no matter what kind of thing you struggle with right now, currently, you are good enough. You are. You know that saying I use all the time. It's like one of our anthems is for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Right? Like that's, one of, that's like one of the statements that we make all the time to say, hey, it's okay, we're not good enough. But that scripture comes from a, a larger context of scripture. Okay, there's verses that surround it, right? The whole Bible. Uh, but, but in this specific area uh, where it says this, there's some other things that I think we should read to understand what God is trying to say to us. Okay, so it's, that scripture is found in Romans 3.23, but we're going to start in verse 22 today and work our way through this. All right, so in verse 22 it says, this righteousness, now before I continue, the word righteousness means right standing. Everybody say right standing. Okay, so because of sin in our lives, we are not in right standing with God. So we are not good enough to have relationship with God. So we need righteousness in order to be in that place. And we talked a couple weeks ago about how Jesus, as the middleman, bridged the gap for us. So we know that we get that righteousness because we make Jesus Lord of our life. We're living for him. Okay, so it says this. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all. How many people? To all who believe. And then it says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. And so to give you an idea of what that means, back in Jesus' day, the Jewish people believed no matter, no matter how perfect you could be, if you could follow every rule, every law, everything found in the Old Testament, if you didn't have Jewish blood, you would never be good enough. So we kind of do this to ourselves because of the family we were raised in because of the mistakes we made in our past, we bring it on ourselves that will never be good enough. And so what God is saying here is he's saying, no, 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 no. 
All who believe are justified through Jesus, no matter who they are, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done. Amen? Okay. And then he continues. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then he says in verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Everybody say, for all. Everybody say, and all. For all have sinned, and all are justified. That's something to hang on to right there. And that's something that can change the view of our world. Because every person that you see that's a non-believer is one of those for all have sinned. And if they could just connect with Jesus, they would be justified. They'd be made righteous. Okay? So in two weeks, and why, why am I talking about this? Because in two weeks, we're going to dive into these tough subjects. Some are going to be social things, I'm sure. Some are going to be sinful things that we find in the Bible. And some of them are going to be hard to talk about, I'm sure. And I'm the one who's got to do the talking. But maybe in a different context, some of them are going to be hard to listen to. Because you and I have done these things. We've made those choices. Maybe we are making choices to do sinful things or things that we're going to talk about the Bible saying you shouldn't do, right? It, it's going to happen. And so I want to take these two weeks to prepare our hearts, to prepare ourselves, to understand that for all have sinned and all are justified if you've made Jesus Lord of your life. You can sit through these messages and learn and grow and not go, Man, I stink. Right? Instead, you can go, I'm so thankful for Jesus. <laughs> I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm okay. I'm okay. So, so when we're in these topics, I don't want you to pro proclaim guilt on yourself and, and shut yourself down. I don't want you to do that. God says you are more than enough. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are more than enough. So we're redeeming the earlier com you know, comments, okay? If you're more than enough. All right. In fact, if, and I just want to dive into another part of this. If perfection is what you are trying to do as a believer, you are going to fail. And it is going to leave you wanting. It's going to leave you empty. If perfection is what you are trying to, to achieve, you're, you're mistaken, okay? And I want to I make that really clear. There's an interaction where a man has, has this conversation with Jesus, and this whole idea of perfection comes out in, in the conversation. And so I want to look at it, talk about it, and, and kind of break it down. So we'll read the whole thing first, and then I'll break it down. It's in Matthew 19. We'll start in verse 16. It says, Just then a man came up to Jesus, and he asked, Teacher, what good thing, everybody say good thing, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, all these I've kept, the young man said. So what do I still lack? Hmm. Jesus answered, if you want to be, what word? Oh, there's that word. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. 
When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Okay, I want to talk about it for a minute. The first thing that we encounter in this scripture is a misconception that has run through Christianity and and faith-based communities for years. It's the idea that good works will get you to heaven. The young man comes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do? What good deed, what good work do I have to do in order for me to have eternal life? And, And Jesus Respond, well, let's just read it real quick before I, we'll just go back and read those two verses. Just then a man came up to Jesus, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you ask me about what's good? There's only one, everybody say one. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. So don't miss what Jesus is saying to this young man right here. To the, the point Jesus is making to the man is that nobody is good enough. He says, the man says, what do I have to do to be good enough? And he says, what are you talking about being good? Nobody's good enough. There's only one who's good enough, and that's God. And you are not God, right? You are not God, so you can't be good enough to get yourself to heaven. You can't do it. And then he says, he says that you need to, you need to follow the rules. And, and so, but that seems kind of weird, right? Because we talk about how it's Jesus that gets us eternal life. And here's Jesus himself saying, follow the rules. Jesus is doing this because he's taking this young man on a journey of understanding. So I want to take you on that journey today. So the, the man goes, "What? follow what rules? He goes, well, here's the rules. And he gives him the rules. The, these different commandments that you've heard from the Ten Commandments. And the guy says, well, I've done all those things. And if you remember... You need to notice that Jesus doesn't go, oh, no, you didn't. You're a sinner. You're not. You're you're a sinner. Jesus never says that he failed at living a perfect life. He never says that. But what what is really interesting is that the young man in verse 20 says, all these things I've kept, all the ten, all the commandments I've kept. And he says, what do I still lack? Jesus never said he lacked something. But he knew he lacked something. You see, if, you're, if your life is this journey for perfection, you could be as perfect as you want to be, but striving for perfection is going to leave you empty. It will not fill you up. But you know, we think it does. Man, when we were, when we were doing something like really good, I just imagine the young man coming up to Jesus being like, hey, Jesus. Like, because he's probably so prideful that he has lived his life to follow every rule that there is. And look at, I'm so good. But, but there's something in him that he knows is missing. And so he comes to Jesus because there's got to be more. And Jesus is like, there is more. There is more. There's more to this 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 going to heaven thing. How many know that faith in, in God is more than just going to heaven? It is Making Jesus Lord of your life isn't just fire insurance, right? It's not just so you can stay out of hell. It's, it's because he's got a life and a plan for you. He's got more for you. Everybody say more. more. He's got more for you. Jesus has more for you. And, and the man knew it. But so what Jesus does is he says, listen, He said, if you want to be perfect, in verse 21, he says, if you want to be perfect, which is what this man's looking for, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come and what? You see, Jesus, he doesn't desire perfection. He desires relationship with you. He desires relationship with you. 
What he told the young man at this moment is all of that stuff you've done is good, but the void that you're feeling is that you're not close to me. And all those good things that you're doing will never get you to heaven. But if you just come follow me, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. So I got to kind of ask you, like, what things are you putting in a priority list above Jesus? What things are you saying, I'm doing those things instead of getting close to Jesus? And those are things, like the, like the young man, that Jesus would ask you to set aside. Whether you sell them or not, that's, that's beside the point. It's, it's, it's just an interaction, but maybe it's not a selling kind of thing. Maybe it's not a possession that's in between you and God. Maybe it's an activity. Maybe it's an emotion. Maybe it's a person. And I think what God desires is not you know, perfection in your life, He's, he's desiring you to get close to him. Amen? Okay. Now let me begin to set this up for the next couple weeks as I, as I kind of wrap this up. We're going to talk about hard subjects. Um, subjects that often are, or not in two weeks, not the next two weeks. Um, uh, uh, we're going to talk about subjects that also often involve our opinions and not God's opinions. So we're going to try to talk about our opinions and God's opinions, and we're going to see which opinions are right. Wink, wink, you probably know which ones are right. But we have to remember that Jesus isn't looking for people to change and and become perfect. Jesus is looking for people who are willing to leave their current situation and get close to him. And I said this a couple weeks ago. The reason why I want to talk about this and the reason why your job number two is to bring people to this church who you know struggle with these issues or feel like the church doesn't talk about them is because I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Every one of these teachings really comes down to, in the end, loving every person in every situation, no matter the circumstance, no matter what. And that God's plan is bigger than our opinions. That God's plan is bigger than our feelings. And that you never are going to get somebody to change by arguing with them. If you're married, you know that's true. But you can help somebody to effectively change by loving them. Okay? There's a lot of people in our community or communities, wherever you're from today, or if you're watching online from Kansas, I don't know. Um, There are people in our communities who who aren't going to be changed because you're going to stand on a street corner and tell them that they're sinners going to hell. But they will change if you go and buy them coffee and just ask them about their life and care for them. Because that's what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus didn't always buy the coffee, but he went to lots of dinners, right? (laughs) Anytime somebody would invite him, he said, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. So this is what this man was not willing to do. He was not willing to set aside his perfection and his desires to desire God more. So can you change? Could you be willing to set aside your opinions and your possessions and your feelings? To desire God more than all those things. We're going to find out <laughs> starting in two weeks. I'm excited about it. But I do want you to pray starting this week. Your job. One, write down a topic. One topic, right? Two, th- start praying about the people God would put on your heart to invite to come here. Do whatever you have to do. And this isn't to fill our seats. This is to let our community and the people that you love know that Jesus loves them more than our opinions and more than perfection. 
okay? And three, I want to challenge you to change too. This isn't just a message for the lost. It's also one for the found, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for everybody who's here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this interaction that Jesus had with this man and how it can kind of reveal to us how uh, what Jesus desires is not just our perfection or us dotting all the I's or crossing all the T's. Instead, Jesus just wants us to get close to him. That perfection is not found in what we do right or wrong. It's found in our desire to be close to Jesus. God, just like we celebrated communion today, we remembered you, it is Jesus who made us righteous. And God, I pray that you constantly remind us of that. That it is Jesus who puts us in right standing, makes us perfect, not anything we could do on our own. So help us to live that way. Help the words that come out of our mouth to be ones that speak to others in that way, that we're not perfect, but that Jesus loves us enough to see through our imperfections. And God, help us to have influence on these people we're praying for and praying about as we start walking into these tough subjects. And God, I just pray you guide this series where you want it to go so that we can cover the things you need us to talk about, but use all of us to bring those topics out to the surface. We thank you for all of this. And with everybody's eyes closed, you know, every week I want to give the opportunity for somebody, if you've not made Jesus Lord of your life, you can do that right now. What do I mean by that? God has a destiny and a purpose for your life. He's got direction for you that you don't have because you don't have Jesus as Lord of your life. You can't live it without allowing God to lead you there. It's kind of like what Allison said when she prayed up here. She said, you can have God going before you to lead the way. He wants to be behind you to guard you from any attacks from the world. And he wants to stand on each side of you to hold you up when life gets tough. Because guys, life gets tough. And if you want Jesus in your life in that way, right now with everybody's eyes closed, just lift your hand up. Is anybody that knows they want to make Jesus Lord of their life today start living that way? I see hands going up all around. Bunch of hands. Awesome, awesome. Okay, you can put your hands down. I want to say this, I say it every week. It doesn't matter that I saw your hand. What matters is that God sees your heart. He knows you. He knows exactly what situation you're in and what you've been through. But he's got a great future for you. And part of that future is following him. All, well, all of that future is following him. And part of it is fulfilling his plan as he fulfills your plan. So we're going to pray today as a whole church family. And, and as a family, we're going to declare that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says we've got to believe it in our heart and that we've got to say it with our mouths. But it's more than just saying it in this prayer. It's every day of your life, people seeing it in you, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you interact with people that they see the love of Jesus coming out of you. So let's pray together and let's together invite everybody into the family of God. Say this when they say, Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I needed redemption. Thank you for making me righteous. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to live your way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, give it up. Let's celebrate together. All right. If this message touched you in any way and you'd like to talk to someone at the church, you can reach us online at rlcbr.org. Search for us on Facebook. 
And if you're in the Big Rapids area, visit us on Sunday morning at our location in Big Rapids or the church right across the street from Menards.